0: all right everybody welcome to the february 16th edition of cascadian views i've got dan and chris here today how are you guys doing
1: good doing all right
0: Uh, the uh threat of a second shutdown is over congress approved a compromise um budget deal that addressed the border with some spending no walls um it got a little less than 1.4 billion dollars for repairs to existing fencing plus 55 miles of new fencing um a little bit less because i guess one of the democratic uh house conferences went a little bit rogue on this did you guys see that story i hadn't caught that no you know, uh, what's this angle so house leadership had come down for uh i, I think it was 1.4 billion or 1.3 billion i i forget um, and one of the con- uh, conferees just decided that they could stick it to the Republicans a little bit and walked in the door and announced, slightly lower than that, it was like 1.33 or 1.23 or somewhere in there. It was just like half a billion dollars shorter and the Republicans apparently agreed without even discussing it. They just yeah. said, sure, <laughs> and, and stuck. Uh So that was, that was one of the more amusing notes I saw there. You, you Got a little bit of belly aching that there was any money for physical barriers at all, but uh, all in all, I think the Democrats did extremely well on this.
1: Yeah, I think I was going to say it just—it's it, vexing that we went all this way and now we got Friday's news that he's going to uh, ignore everything and try to do it his way anyway by emergency declaration
0: yeah and there's already no less than like twelve different lawsuits uh mm-hmm. announced on that,
1: yeah, it was fast and needs to be honestly you yeah. know tie this up and not let this go forward it's you know it, it's weird you know a year ago, you know when uh these debates really got started, and the first time the government was shut down, I think a lot of us would have said, you know what he could even have a lot more money if he would just Leave, you know, the DACA kids alone. Yeah, including uh, Chuck Schumer was one of the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's just become such a potent symbol of everything awful that he wants to do. I mean, between then, you've got, you know, several thousand kids that have been put in cages. So you, I think the argument is that he really can't have anything. He shouldn't. And it's got to be fought on every level.
0: The ACLU has announced the suit. Uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, has announced that the mm-hmm. state is suing. Uh, various other jurisdictions are suing. House Democrats are looking into the suing. I expect that's a formality, and that they'll file their own lawsuit rather shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's worth it to discuss kind of the issues at hand here. The, uh, the law that's being used here is, is kind of based around, I believe it's the 1974 National Disasters Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was passed to place some semblance of limitation on the president declaring a national emergency and getting exactly what he wants. But there's a very open constitutional question about whether or not he can. The The Constitution, I guess, in its clearest form, uh, states that money bills have to start with the House, that any spending legislation has to begin in the House of Representatives. Now, this can be kind of formality. The the Senate will frequently take a completely unrelated House bill, hollow it out by amendment to nothing, and then insert their own budget into it just to mm-hmm. get around that loop. But this would be something completely, you know, out there on this.
1: Yeah, and it's something also that uh, Congress has – taken a crack at you know several times in the last year and most recently this winter you know so it's not like it's an area where congress just has failed to address it they've specifically looked at this and said this is not something that we're going to appropriate this money for
2: yeah and he's kind of pre-hobbled his own case by going almost immediately making a public statement to the effect of i didn't actually have to do this i just decided to because it would be faster mm-hmm
0: yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> which kind of it's not really it's like he really doesn't even realize that, that <laughs> this stuff would be admissible in a lawsuit like he opens his mouth without thinking of any of the future consequences It's how we got Al Own this shutdown
1: yeah well I guess legally though I mean he's got at least some precedent for that in that uh, pretty much all of his racist statements about Muslims and all of the you know things that would lead you to conclude that the ban that he put in place when he first came into office was a Muslim ban, and it was racially motivated. And you had Roberts basically say, "Well, I'm not going to consider any of that. You know, just I'm I'm leaving that out. That's not relevant here to whether or not this is a Muslim ban or no, whether it's unconstitutional. That's true. So I, I'm bracing myself. You know, I think you know he he made a stupid little narrative about uh, what was going to happen. You know, people were going to sue and it was going to go through the courts and it was going to go through the ninth circuit. And he had some editorial about how it shouldn't even be there, which I don't even know what he means by that. And eventually that he was going to be validated by the Supreme court. And ah, I wish he was wrong. I wish I could say with certainty, yeah, he's out on a limb and there's no basis for this authority and the court's going to smack him down. But you know, John Roberts is the one who's got the power to do that, and pretty much everyone else is going to vacate, at least on the conservative side of the court. Right. So it's it's really, really unpleasant and dicey.
0: <laughs> well, we might have more than Roberts in this. It's kind of a stretch, but Clarence Thomas has um, shown a, mm-hmm. a very disinclined view of the governor's drug forfeiture um, assets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the pots of money that's being tapped to uh, build this wall. It's money recovered from drug use.
1: Yeah, so it, it, it's certainly possible. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, we can hope. And if anything, you know, the legal battles will take up a lot of time. You know, it took from you know. Trump initially signed the orders on the Muslim ban, you know, in his first few weeks in office and the court didn't say anything definitive about that until this last summer. So based on that kind of timetable, we could be well into the election cycle before this is finally decided.
0: On the other hand, the administration has been really trying to leapfrog a lot of the appellate courts lately. Uh, by going straight from district to Supreme Court level, and they've actually succeeded in being allowed to do that by the judges on at least a few occasions. Yeah. They could try and get something fast-tracked here to get a, a ruling on the record.
2: Right. Could, but I think, well, I mean, they. let's say they win the ruling. Then they actually have to somehow appropriate the funds and begin construction and work out the eminent domain issues and like nothing here is going to go fast no matter
1: what yes he's got to get a second term to make this even
0: plausible on the uh the subject of the Supreme Court I know I didn't throw it in the topic thread but uh Ruth Bader Ginsburg returned to work uh just in the last couple days um, at a private conference with the other justices. She was present for the vote uh, where they decided they're gonna take up the census question. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is expected uh, to be at oral arguments in just a, a couple weeks here, although uh, that's not confirmed, it's just unexpected.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank goodness she's still with us. <laughs> I'm very, very anxious about her prospects for making it all the way to
0: 2021. There was a piece in The Atlantic talking about Clarence Thomas's uh, upcoming retirement as well and about how uh, oh, yeah. and Trump seem to be like laying the groundwork for it. He's been Trump has been uh, remarkably cordial to uh, Thomas's wife, even though she is uh, on the, the side of the right fringe that is yelling at him about the border and whatnot and calling him a cuck and all that.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. That would just be the icing on the cake. We get one more Kavanaugh on the court,
0: possibly two more. That's why I brought. Them.
1: Possibly two. Yeah.
0: Uh, I guess since we're talking about the courts, we can bring up uh, everything that happened with Manafort, which oh yeah, a lot. Uh, looking at like twenty years, the special counsel wants to put on this. Uh, Chris, you're usually on top of most of the special counsel maneuvers.
2: Yeah, so they well they recommended a sentencing window, as it were, of 19 to 29 years. You know, there's there's nothing in that window when you're over 70 and not in good health that's good for you. Yeah, that's life.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: and the other thing to keep in mind also is that this is the um, this is the Virginia case which has a potentially more sympathetic judge, but he also still needs to be sentenced now, potentially, on the um, D.C. case, which is where he pled guilty for reduced charges to become a cooperating witness. Actually, they didn't even reduce the charges. He just pled guilty with the expectation of reduced sentencing, but full charges. So he's pled guilty to those charges, and he can be sentenced on them now.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, that was really the deal is that they would uh, recommend some leniency in the sentencing, but, you know, the charges were still going to stay in place. Yeah. And they're taking all this stuff. So he's definitely done a lot of harm to himself by continuing to flout the agreement, act like he's bulletproof and pass information to Trump's lawyers and just in general— being the dishonest shady guy that got himself in so much trouble in the first place.
2: it is pretty amazing. Uh-huh. The question I keep thinking is like, is this just, is this sheer arrogance? Is this, I'll get away with it? Is that Trump will pardon me? Or is it really, I'm dealing with people who are going to kill my family if I talk about what actually happened. Yeah, like, I haven't quite made up my mind on that.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I don't even know where to begin. That, that's – all of those are very plausible.
0: The justices – or the justice, excuse me, uh, voided the plea deal Manafort entered into as well, ruling that he had uh, intentionally lied to the FBI numerous times in special counsel's office. Wrong. Um, I mean, he's looking at a lot of time through a lot of things. I, I, I hate to say it, but, uh, you know – these are people who will kill me and my family if i talk about this might be more plausible than i i'm really willing to admit
1: yeah well is, isn't that half of what's got cohen afraid
0: i mean maybe he delayed yeah. his congressional testimony again
1: mm-hmm.
0: i i'm not convinced he's ever going to give it at this point <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah. Well, like- they have subpoenaed him so they can uh, technically compel him, especially since he'll be in custody eventually. Right. He's got nowhere else to be.
0: <laughs> well, I mean... I guess the weight
1: room, maybe, but yeah.
0: The enforcement of a congressional subpoena is kind of up to Congress, and their law enforcement doesn't really leave the the Capitol building. I mean, how, right. how are they really going to compel him with a congressional subpoena other than, like, the senate sergeant at arms show up at his door and try to arrest him i mean the fbi doesn't enforce that shit federal prosecutors don't right. enforce that shit
1: it's not like they'd be going to the special counsel's office to do that either i mean I, I can't imagine that it's really the preference of the special counsel that he testified before congress
0: if yeah. they're going to, need to testify later I, I mean provided he's willing to like really stick to his guns Congress uh-huh. can't do that much if he decides to just tell him to fuck off. Yeah, I, I mean legally, if the Senate sergeant in arms or house sergeant in arms really wanted to go show up at his door and arrest him, they cops wouldn't stop him, probably. But I mean, they're not going to just <clears throat> do that for them.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm also a little puzzled about what he's up to because his uh His surgery explanation apparently fell apart after he was seen out partying all around New York.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He was the model witness. What's he doing with this coy
0: stuff? Is he getting getting cold feet? Yeah. There's some other movement in all these investigations. Um, Roger Stone has been gagged, at least to a certain extent, by the judge.
1: Oh, I wish that was literally
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would
0: be great um, it, it, the same filing uh, in that case uh, also apparently says the government has stones communications with WikiLeaks uh, not just the publicly known stuff but the, the back-channel stuff that they've been doing for months um, and stones no longer allowed to talk about the case around the courthouse suppose he's free to do it somewhere else but uh with the potential of contaminating witnesses coming into and out of the courthouse he's not allowed to talk about the case near the courthouse which cuts off his like courthouse step press conference so, you know, however.
1: no more yeah double v and yeah rally on the courthouse steps
2: so is that the way that a gag order works you're not actually disallowed from talking about it in general, just in that specific it, it depends on
0: the order, but the order has to be yeah. tailored as specifically as possible to address the, the potential problem. The potential problem in this case was they thought he was contaminating witnesses and jurors who were coming into the courthouse who are not supposed to have heard anything about the case, and he's pontificating about the case on the steps mm. of the courthouse. If he were releasing you know, private information that had been not allowed for release to the evening news, they would have just done a straight-up gag order didn't really do that. He was just, you know, carrying on where he should have been carrying on.
2: Right. That's probably (laughs) what he'll
0: do next. Yeah. yeah. That is his MO. Test the boundaries as much as you can. Um, The other news on the investigation front is that the Mueller interviews have hit the the inner circle of the White House. uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the press secretary, has been interviewed by the special prosecutor, or Sarah Sanders, it's Oh, wait, no, that is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah. I am straight dumb. I am sorry.
2: (laughs) Yes, she has been. And um, that it's hard to say exactly what that pertains to, but it certainly could potentially pertain to obstruction of justice as she's been the public mouthpiece of a lot of very questionable statements.
0: (laughs) No was she
1: time. on the campaign? I don't think I didn't think she was on the campaign.
0: I'm not real sure.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Um. But I would imagine that what the special counsel asked about is when she makes public statements that are lies, such as what happened on that plane and the Russian adoption meeting. Right. He wants to know who directed her to say those things. Right. So, <laughs> Are you just lying on general principle or? Well, yeah. Like, where, where where, did you get that information? Who told that to you? Who made the decision to have that be uh, what was said in there? Blah, blah, blah. They did that to Clinton during the Wednesday.
1: Yeah. My contempt for the public requires no orders. I will lie for
0: <laughs> <You're> just cause. <laughs> <gods. laughs> so, uh, I guess with that. We'll, we'll wrap around to the uh, the election and uh, a few little updates on 2020, I guess. <laughs> one of the biggest ones is California is moving their, their primary schedule around to Super Tuesday. Uh, by far the largest pot of votes on Super Tuesday, and Kamala Harris is looking to really kind of curb stomp uh, if she can. If, if she can pick up California and even one or two more Super Tuesday states, she's got a commanding lead. Will not evaporate for many months, even if she doesn't take another single state.
1: Well, I mean, that's some of that's the weirdness of delegate allocation, you know, because we do it proportionally in the Democratic Party, but we also, uh, there's a threshold. You have to have 15%. So, yeah, if you have the uh, California primary on Super Tuesday and most other candidates are avoiding it. Uh, it seems very conceivable that, uh, you know, if you still have a fair number of candidates in the race, let's say you've still got Bernie, Biden, uh, I'm trying to think who else might still be in there at that point, Klobuchar, uh, they, exactly, you know, they're still in the race and they're still dividing, you know, whatever doesn't go to, uh, Harris, you know, she could come up with damn near all of the delegates, out of california which would be a massive haul
0: yeah and she wouldn't even have to do that much if she clears Mm -hmm. you know two-thirds of the vote 66 percent, which is not all that hard considering she's the hometown senator or the home state senator the former district attorney for you know what is uh, her power base san francisco she's got the endorsement of all the state government officials she has got the endorsement of mostly municipal uh, officials she could very easily clear two-thirds and if you've got 16 17 other candidates in the field good luck she's taking all those delegates she doesn't have to you know win
1: 90% right well I mean if she takes that hall and she takes it by herself then it's really it's Harris or nobody, honestly. That's the, the nominee, I would think, at that point. Because that's, what, 500, 600 delegates? That's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Mark Penn was a, a fucking idiot in 2008 thinking all he had to do is beat Barack Obama there and they would get all of California's delegates. But Harris could actually make it happen given the circumstances of this upcoming primary.
0: And the dynamics uh, uh, work out that, like you said, other candidates are avoiding campaigning there. They, they view it as – sinking money into nowhere. She's going to win. Right. So they'd rather take a, a bigger slice of a smaller state if they can pull out a victory in, you know, New Hampshire or South Carolina or one.
1: Well, I think it probably makes sense for Bernie to campaign there. I think he could probably get some delegates, but anybody else, yeah, it just makes no sense. Unless you've really caught on between now and then, which is yeah. always theoretically possible. It's possible. possible. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're talking about something that's you know more than a year from now yet, but... Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot could happen between now and then, uh, but, uh, yeah, wow. It, it, it's yeah, – a lot of stuff is coming up Harris, honestly, and California is going to be the biggest thing going for her.
0: It's kind of depressing in a sense because not a lot is coming up Harris. Just California is coming up mm-hmm. Harris. She doesn't have a whole lot of wind at her back otherwise. Not that anybody does. That's not a knock against her. There's just – very little actual movement in the primary at this point a year ahead, but she's already looking like a prohibitive favorite because of one state of the primary calendar. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I've kind of toyed around with supporting, I'm still not entirely sure if I'm behind it, but uh, a uniform primary day, just the Mm -hmm. idea that all the states go at the same time.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think a lot of the affection for, You know, doing it in stages and starting with small states is the idea that you know, by retail campaigning, a lower-funded campaign could you know take off and you know end up dominating. But in practice, I mean, has that ever really happened? I think the closest you could think of anything to that would probably be Jimmy Carter in '76, and then then no, Clinton was pretty well uh, Clinton was leading anyway. I mean, you had. You know, in the, in the entry level, in the early states, uh, he got his butt kicked. You know, because there was Iowa, which uh, Tom Harkin owned, and then uh, he it managed
0: come from behind, like second or third place victory in New Hampshire.
1: I think it was third, but yeah, he managed to stay alive in New Hampshire, and then he held on to the southern states in Super Tuesday, where he yeah, cleaned up. Yeah, he had
0: been tossed apart for dead after the Jennifer Flowers scandal, and he pieced it all back together. I absolutely I consider the, the primary calendar the reason that Clinton got out of that race without, you know, or with a victory.
1: Uh, that could be. I mean, my thought is if they'd done it all at once, he probably would have won it right then, and he wouldn't have had to worry about Jerry Brown coming after him. But that's a lot of hypothetical. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the affection for kind of doing it in stages and letting it build up that way. But I mean, practically speaking, I don't see how that even you know. It's a national race; it just is. And we argue
0: that the Obama campaign fits that. I mean, I know they were well funded, but their their strategy specifically broke down states and caucuses where they could punch above their weight in order to gather delegates and. Early victories and small state victories really, I I guess, kind of yeah made it Uh, all right to to believe in him. Like, you know, people who thought, "Yeah, I like him, but he doesn't have a chance." Well, now he has a chance, and he pulls it out. And yeah, it's all voted on one day. Do do we really think Obama wins that race?
1: I think it might. You you got a good point there. Yeah, if it if 2008 had happened all once, Obama would have won Iowa and. Clinton would have won everywhere else. Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Okay. So I guess good counterpoint there. It is possible.
0: Yeah, I, I argue with myself a lot. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I would support a modified version of that because I do... It It seems somehow prohibitive just to run a 50-state campaign all at once, you know, if you're not as well-known a candidate. So I might... Break it up into a few regional primaries.
0: Mm -hmm. I could see that. Sure. All right. Um, Totally
1: unrelated. I just looked up Sarah Huckabee Sanders' Wikipedia and we are almost exactly the same age. Crazy. Wild.
0: You feel like being press secretary, Dan? Not in this White House. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: don't know. Maybe it's easy. Just yell and lie, and that keeps the boss happy.
0: Uh, any other 2020 updates, since we just spent a lot of time with Kamala Harris? Uh, I know Bernie recorded a video saying he was going to be running.
2: He yep. did. <laughs> hasn't released it, but he's recorded
1: it.
0: Uh, wait, he's, are you serious? He's sitting on it like Tupac? He's telling <laughs> people he's recorded it, but he hasn't sent it. Oh my god, why? Why make this well, a tortured choice?
2: I don't think he was telling people. I think, well, effectively he was, but... I think it was, you know, insiders and people in the know who said he recorded it. Because people are telling people. Yeah. And the notion is it's going to be released soon.
0: I would love for this to be like ABC picks up the rights to do a uh, LeBron The Choice style like, <laughs> one-hour TV event on whether or not Bernie's going to run. And then he drops, you know, one or the other tape at the end of it.
1: Uh, he's, gonna it so oh, of he's going to do it. So, I don't know. Of course he's going to
0: yeah he's he's had a, a little uh, i don't want to call it a fight but a little lover spat i guess with elizabeth warren and he thinks she's mm-hmm. taking the spotlight
1: yeah yeah but he's he's got a lot of former allies that are in this race it's a little weird uh i mean you got you know tulsi gabbard in there which you know they never really made much sense as allies anyway. And Warren's in the race.
0: Tulsi Gabbard um, is the favorite candidate of RT Russia today. I don't know if you've been watching the coverage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah. love her.
1: So, yeah. Assad
2: also is a big fan, I think.
1: Right, right. Assad, uh, dictators all over. You know, She's definitely got her niche audience. I don't know. They, I think maybe bernie will be better with tulsi gabbard in the race because all of his most toxic supporters are all going to tulsi gabbard
0: that's actually a really good point <laughs> i the, uh, the anti-establishment vote breaks away and it's really kind of his
1: all the true socialist people all the ron paul people have gone to tulsi gabbard so now he actually has just genuinely left-wing people that would be cool i'm fine would be with that amazing yeah what I hoped I was going to get in 2016
2: (sighs) I know a lot of people who are still pretty excited about him running and I know possibly an equal amount who kind of wish he wouldn't including me so there you go
0: I uh I don't know I'm kind of indifferent to it I, I He doesn't have the support base to claim illegitimacy that he had last time. You know, if he was pulling 49% of the electorate and he could, you know, rip the team unity apart or whatnot, I'd be more upset. But he's pulling like 19%, 20%. That's not enough to say it was stolen from me. He doesn't get it, I think. And that's my big worry. Other than that, I welcome him into the primary. As long as you're not trying to say this is an illegitimate process just because you don't
1: win? It's a much more fractured field. So it, it kind of makes sense that you know his support would be you know less than it would be the last time around. And naturally, it's going to flow to some folks like Warren and Biden. Uh, not Biden. Biden doesn't make a lot of sense. Gabbard. Uh, Gabbard would be a more natural recipient of some of his support. Uh, or honestly, since the entire field is getting behind things like Medicare for all, it could seep in a whole bunch of different directions a lot of the people that were for him last time uh i think he could still very easily pick up a plurality of the vote if it stays strongly splintered i think it will probably consolidate more before that happens but uh i don't know yeah
2: yeah i think that's the main thing is he really he changed the political dialogue Mm -hmm. to the extent that now half the field is supporting the kinds of things he was talking about that the party was absolutely petrified to talk about prior
1: to that. Right. Well, I mean, they're all... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the, the commitments now are very much to, you know... I don't think anybody is going to just settle for what the Senate will approve. And that was the big difference, I'd say, with Hillary Clinton, is that... In 2016, you had a lot of uh, you know, very kind of elevated and inspirational ideas coming out of the Sanders side of things. And you know, the Clinton response was, none of that's going to get through a Republican Congress. None of that's going to get through a Senate that is most likely going to be Republican or at least only very narrowly Democratic. And that's not a restriction that is applying to the current crop of candidates, nobody is going from the Hillary Clinton playbook. They're all, at least in terms of policy, they're reading from Bernie Sanders, 2016. Like we're going to, you know, we're going to campaign on Medicare for all. We're going to campaign on, you know, child care, you know, you know, massive child care uh, availability, uh, criminal justice reform, marijuana legalization, you know lots of big ideas that are coming out there. And yeah, it's going from, you know, Bernie's model rather than Clinton's model. So that's to that's be fair, twenty sixteen
0: Clinton came a lot from Bernie's model more than the, the Sure the just them model. She was a lot more liberal in that uh, campaign than I, I think she really gets credit for.
1: Well, she was very liberal, but she was also trying to keep it in the realm of reality. I mean, I love a lot of these candidates, but I know we're not gonna get any of what they're promising so you know, i mean that, that that seems like the big difference between 2016 and now is that you know the candidates are going to be promised are promising a lot of things that there's not a chance in hell we'll ever make it through congress uh, I I guess that's for the better that we have some aspirations. I mean, the Clinton message was certainly not very inspiring because it basically came down to we're going to have to knife fight on a lot of bureaucratic and narrow victories because that's the state of Congress and things are only going to get better on the very, very slightest of margins. And yeah, that doesn't bring people to the barricades. Nobody's going to do that. (laughs) Nobody's (laughs) going to really uh, put in a ton of time for you know, slight improvement of the status quo uh, at the same time though and it's, it's going to hit reality in January 2021 and I'm still kind of processing how I feel about that that yeah we'll probably have a democratic house I hope we'll have a democratic house and God willing we'll have a democratic president and if we hit an inside straight we'll get a senate where the 50th or 51st most liberal vote is going to be joe manson or kirsten cinema i mean that's that's not a body that's going to pass a green new deal that's not a body that's going to pass medicare for all so then the question is what comes next
0: it might be a body that passes medicare for all
1: with joe manchin as the deciding vote
0: joe manchin is more solid (laughs) socialized medicine than anybody realizes he doesn't have to it's not
1: just passing Medicare for all because the first thing you do before you get to that point is eliminate the filibuster. You got to get Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema and the whole rest of the Senate to get on board with eliminating the filibuster and substantially trading away a bunch of their power. And then
0: wasn't the filibuster already eliminated?
1: Not for legislation.
0: Not for legislation.
1: Just for, it was, uh, Harry Reid killed it for nominations uh, like and appointments, except for Supreme Court nominees, and McConnell took that out. But it's still in place for legislation. That's why they still haven't uh, been able to really take the big swings at uh, the Affordable Care Act that they've wanted to. So the next president's going to have to convince uh, Chuck Schumer and get the rest of the caucus on board with, uh, Yeah eliminating the filibuster or none of this stuff is happening legislatively i mean i I love i love kirsten gillibrand but she's talking about um finding a way to convince republicans to get on board with her agenda and i i i realize that has to be rhetoric in part you don't want to campaign on eliminating the filibuster but uh yeah, I mean that—that that was the reality that Obama hit in two thousand nine, and he only had to convince one Republican at, at a time to get on board with his agenda. You know, not nine, ten. So it, it's a different race, and it's going to be a different environment. We've kind of got into a, a bit of a sidetrack here, but I'm—I'm I'm a little worried about what happens in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think it's the Senate and the filibuster thing that
2: depresses me more than anything else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are we are we opposed to the elimination of the filibuster? I know we Not do. at all. Okay. No, it
1: needs to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll get it.
0: That's what I thought too, but I also I, I recognize there's a shooting or cutting off your nose to smite your face argument there that if we eliminate it, it can be used against us when the shoe's on the other foot, but really it just makes the Senate Less democratic.
1: Yeah. And the Senate's already pretty anti-democratic in the first place. I'm not sure if we can get senators to get on board with it, but uh, to get any kind of progressive legislation passed, you have to eliminate the filibuster. And to get any progressive legislation sustained by the courts and not declared unconstitutional two years later, you're going to need to add a half a dozen liberal justices to the court to balance out what Trump has done. Court packing. Yep, you gotta do both. You gotta do both or it all gets overturned. All right. So, that's that's my neoliberal take. <laughs> <laughs> Seize the courts, eliminate the filibuster, bring back the guillotine. <laughs>
0: I'm with you. <laughs> I guess we'll turn our eyes locally now. Um, there's there's actually two stories out of Oregon. One I put on the topic list, and we'll talk about that one first. Um, in response to some Sunshine Act request from the Willamette Weekly and the Portland Mercury, two alternative weekly papers in Portland that do great work. And by the way, just side note, alternative work, uh, weekly papers are amazing. I love the ones down in San Francisco, the East Bay Express and SF Weekly. Mm-hmm. They, they did amazing journalism, uh, really digging into stories that matter to people who may not be represented well in the mainstream press um, and really bring to light issues that corporate media doesn't always touch that sometimes turn out to be big scandals. And this is one of those cases. Um, the Portland Police Department has been caught uh, exchanging very friendly text with members of the pa- uh, Patriot Prayer protest movement helping them uh, avoid being caught for warrants, giving them locations of left-wing protests that are planned that Patriot Prayer is looking to disrupt and counter protest at. Um, in one case, they assured the group that uh, a top lieutenant named Tiny, I believe his name is. <laughs> uh, let me double check uh, on that. Yeah. Tiny Tusitalia Tiny tiny toasts. Um, He had an active warrant out, and the police assured Patriot Prayer that they would not arrest him unless they saw him commit a new crime. Uh, They said other than that, they don't see a reason to arrest him for the outstanding warrant. Uh, Just really getting very, very chummy with the group. Um, It's become a huge kind of local story. In fact, it spread to the national media. NBC covered this uh, in their evening news today. Um, the the mayor has ordered an investigation into the police bureau. Um, I don't know what's going to come out of that. The Oregonian is kind of defending this, saying it's common practice according to police experts. Um, uh, the police, I, I believe, are trying to open up lines of communication with left wing groups, with anti fog groups, um, but they 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 haven't yet. Uh, in fact, they've said how difficult it is to get information out of those groups. I wonder why, hmm. when you're palling yeah. up with white supremacists like Patriot Prayer and letting them know where, you know, the anti Antifa groups are going to be so that they can come kick the shit out of them. I wonder why <laughs> yes. they don't want to talk to you.
1: I'm trying to convey information with this baton to their skull, <laughs> and it's just not getting through. Yeah.
0: I, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I, uh I, I have no problem believing that Antifa doesn't want to talk to the cops, but uh, I, I don't think there's any excuse for the level of friendliness shown in these these texts. What what is common is maybe getting a heads up from different groups that they'll be there, you know, that sort of thing. Helping people avoid warrants is not common police work. Right, That's <laughs> not what you normally do as a cop. Show up, we want to <laughs> arrest you. <laughs> i i would have no problem if the portland police had like a line of communication where patriot prayer was like hey we're gonna be in town tomorrow just so you guys know that would be one thing this is completely separate and and way way over the line uh, i completely support the investigation into this uh portland police needs to be cleaned out there, there's just too much ridiculous shit going on in this department day in and day out
1: yeah uh beth this is probably well You've got Patriot prayer, prayer right there, but I would not be surprised if you see similar kinds of interactions with other departments as well. I mean, say what you will about the fascist right. I mean, they've done a very good job of cultivating a good relationship with the police, and it's scary. Yeah.
0: yeah. The uh, The other thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, Oregon just became the first state in the country to have statewide red rent- Hey. yeah it's uh it was kind of a shaky coalition (laughs) in fact they had to disallow any amendments whatsoever just to get the bill through uh it was that shaky everybody had to come together agree to this and nobody was allowed to touch it uh it's a weird combination of uh very liberal groups and very pro-development groups because it opens up more public investment in housing that's we talked about this in the past on the show but it allows uh, the ballot measure that accompanied this allows states to invest in public housing that is not owned by the the local government 100% the rent control opens up additional pots of money to allow them to do this it prohibits increases I believe it's 9% uh, year on year uh, but it exempts units that are less than 15 years old so my apartment built brand new when they moved in. I'm, I'm kind of screwed. I'm not covered.
1: Yeah. Huh. Well, that's that, that's pretty innovative, though. I don't, you know, there's... I'm trying to think of any kind of the largest policy. Basically, New York City has had that for certain units. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, wow. Um,
0: yeah, there are actually a number of other cities with rent control. San Francisco has rent control as well. But we're the first statewide system. Um, and mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a lot of holes yeah uh new units are not covered because they they want to not stifle new development they can jack up rents as much as the market can afford as long as your building is less than 15 years old sure Uh, and it's it's a very generous amount nine percent a year plus inflation so i mean that that's a lot higher than say new york city's very strict rent control uh, limits which is why there are 86 year old grandmothers with Manhattan apartments that cost three hundred and forty dollars a month, right? I wish we had that man. I'd love for an apartment to be something sure we, like passed down to your children crap like sometimes happens Yeah It would be great to live in a city with really strong rent control like that mm-hmm. uh, But anyway, we'll move on up to Washington Dan you have humorous humorous oh. news
1: I love this one. I shared it in the Facebook group a couple of days ago too, and it's it's a lot of fun. So, what has frequently ho- one of the things that has frequently hobbled our ability to raise revenues in Washington State is Initiative King Tim Eyman, who you know, again, that's kind of his raison d'etre. Gets these sids, as initiatives, kind of vaguely worded, but the idea behind them is always to make it all but impossible for the legislature to raise revenues or grotesquely slash revenues that have already been approved for raising uh so he's been under a lot of legal scrutiny in the last few years he's been sued by the state attorney general that he's been basically using money that he's been soliciting from his donors to enrich himself taking it out of the kitty and making a nice life for himself the way a lot of right-wing grifters are known to do so last year he declared bankruptcy, and I guess this year things have gotten so bad that he uh, allegedly, there is video, but he has allegedly uh, gone to the lengths of stealing a $70 chair from an office space in Lacey, Washington, outside of Olympia. It wasn't the, even a uh, nice chair. Yeah, it's well, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the chair I'm in here right now. That's about $70, maybe 100 I don't know. I can't remember what I paid for it now, right? But yeah, just a, you know, an office, space cha- office Depot chair. And uh, the story that we posted has the video at the top of him kind of sitting in the vestibule of uh, the uh, office space and kind of you know, twirling around in it. It's been cold as hell, so I don't know why he was letting all the air in like that. But, yeah, just kind of spinning in the chair, spinning in the chair, having a good old time for you know at least a couple minutes, because it looks like it's a time-condensed uh, recording. And then he just walks out with it, takes that to his car. just uh, testing
0: it out, make sure yeah, it's all right.
1: Making sure it's a good chair, you know, if it's worth taking. Uh, I The detail that I love, you know, because the ball's here, he comes back in after he takes the chair, allegedly again, and... <laughs> <laughs> brings in a printer that he's returning and <laughs> buys a couple of others, and according to the uh, report, acts real antsy when they offer to come and help them take these printers back out to his car. No, 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 no you, why. you don't have to do that, and, but they insist they put him on a dolly and bring him out there. He has them just leave the printers next to his car rather than open up the car <laughs> to put them inside because, obviously... He's got a chair in there that he hasn't paid for. So I guess it's tough times in Iman land. Uh, yeah, allegedly, again, because he's very <laughs> litigious.
0: <laughs> is, he, yeah, the uh, is he behind the, the constitutional amendment you guys had prohibiting uh, like revenue raising by municipalities and whatnot? The, the income tax prohibition?
1: Oh, are you talking, wait, did you talk about the growth, the... Sales tax prohibition. Sales tax, yeah. The Well, specifically, it was soda tax is what they were targeting. I don't think he was on that one. I think he's been a little distracted lately, but let me quick check. Uh, sorry, we're going to have to cut a little time here, but just checking this out. 1634, uh, looks like he was not... Oh, wait, no, hold on. Maybe the uh, Ballotpedia is loading up kind of slow.
0: <laughs> no worries.
1: Yeah. Okay, so he had a competing one that was similar that did not get approved for the ballot. Uh, that okay. So he was not behind that one, but he was behind a different one that would have done mostly the same.
0: It's so. uh, it's like the, the predilection for communist groups to splinter, except this was exactly. uh, the tax freeman.
1: anti-tax grifters yeah
0: all right well that's going to uh do it for us i think unless there's something you want to share from the frozen north chris
2: (laughs) i was just thinking like what comparable story do i have from vermont things here are pretty uh our legislature's in session they're they're doing work nothing too exciting has gone on yet although they are working on um, – one of the main things they're working on, and it's a shame JJ isn't here tonight for this, is the last last year they decriminalized marijuana, but they didn't actually create a commercial market for it. So that's something they're working on now.
0: Oh. Okay. Cool. Uh, let me tell you, there's a lot you could learn about how to do it right and how to do it <laughs> wrong. Because you could end up sitting in a state that has six years' worth of marijuana, and that's <laughs> – i remember that discussion me a few weeks back yeah yeah Now the the amount of stock in oregon's cannabis market currently equals like six and a half years of demand so it's amazing yeah. yeah best of luck to you buddy <laughs>
2: all right oh, we'll be fine <laughs> <laughs>